You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Jason Nitz of Warforged and Spent Case. There's this episode and over 440 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. Woo! We are here. We are here, folks. What do I mean by that? Well, a couple things. First of all, as I've been teasing for weeks, we are so close to the ninth. The ninth is the big day that we announce the big thing that I've been cooking up with big ear pedals. And I tell you, I... Uh, I am so excited for this. I hate to be the person that like potentially overhypes something, but this turned out so well. This is one of the biggest. No, what am I talking about? This is absolutely, without a doubt, the biggest collab project that I have gotten to do. And I cannot, ugh, I cannot wait to share this with you. So please stay tuned to all things Tone Mobbery on the 9th. Stay glued to the pedal internet. Make sure that you are following Big Ear Pedals because we have something so ridiculous and so cool. I cannot wait for you to see this. I am, I'm like on pins and needles. I cannot wait. So I apologize. I apologize if I'm overhyping right now. I know that Grant and Karen feel the same way. And uh, this is just, it's almost here. It's almost here. But let's not uh, distract from something else epic that happened this week. This is one of the best podcast episodes I've done, especially the Patreon section, but in general. I'm talking to Big KO this week, and this dude, you know, I love it when somebody just radiates positivity. That's what this guy does. He radiates positivity. He is excited about what he's doing. He's excited to tell you about it, and he's excited to share his message with other people. The Patreon on this one is so good. I don't mean to, again, overhype things, but this was one of the most insightful Patreon episodes I think I've ever had. The main episode is tremendous. This is just a good week in Tone Mob land right now. So thank you all for being there for me, for supporting this thing, for all the help. I, I can't wait to show you what this week has in store, and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Let's just dive right into it. Stop talking. Let's get to this one with my dude, Big KO. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Big KO. What's up, dude? I'm chilling, man. Just hanging out in the studio. Uh... Writing riffs, writing songs, trying to rock the world. I'm I love very it. Very happy to be here. Thank you. Dude, I'm stoked to have you. Uh, I was introduced to your stuff through the announcement you're, that you're doing with Benson. Uh, uh, because Chris and I are good buddies. and Exciting. Uh, Exciting done, stuff. We've done a lot of stuff over the years. Um, actually, you can see the first amp I got from him right over my shoulder. There. Well, no one else can see it, but you can see it. Um, 
And so I, when I saw that, I was like, man, this is cool. And then I started looking at your music and what you've been up to. And I was like, I've got to, I've got to talk to this guy on the podcast. Oh man. Well, well, thank you, man. I, I've been the follower of the show. And, you know, like you said, your uh, friendship with Chris and those amazing bits and products you got, you know, is a uh, part of what led me to uh, bits and amps, man. They're just amazing. And um, I think Chris is probably, uh, he's not going to like me to say it, but he's, probably like the new Alexander Dumble or something. <laughs> he's really, really, uh, he's amazing. And his effects now are, uh, more widely popular than the amps because the amps are hard to get. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's for sure. Yeah. He's got, he's definitely got better distribution on the, on the pedals and they sound amazing. And he's always like amazing. And the amps are like life changing. They, they are like the first time I plugged in to, to the monarch, I was just like, I'm buying this, you know, and this is back in, uh, we have had this weird kind of parallel trajectory that some of the listeners are familiar with, but like he was guest number two on the podcast. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, he, I met him when he was fixing my amp in the back of old town music here in Portland. <laughs> and I saw his, saw the monarch sitting up there. I was like, what's that? He's like, Oh, that's my amp that I make. It's like, Oh, like, what's it based on? And he's like, uh, it's like not based on anything. And I plugged it in. I was like, I'll be back. Like <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's unique about um his stuff that they have a unique voicing. It is different than like uh Marshall or Fender. Like each model has like a, a unique voicing and at the same time, like they're great. Everyone wants platforms, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're great platforms, man. But what I found is when I just plugged into um the Chimera. You know, just my guitar into the amp. It was like, you know, the way the notes boomed. Um, and then also, like, the particular amp you sent me, uh, it had four tens in it. And, you know, I don't think that the four by ten was uh, ever available from Benson. It was like kind of like a prototype amp that he had mm -hmm. in the shop. The only thing that he could send me because, uh, you know, he had nothing. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of amps are on the road, and you know people will start the tour again. So I was super thankful that he was able to get me out. You know anything, and um, just happened to send me a four by ten, and it it just had a focused sound uh, because of that. That was unique uh, than any combo that I played. It, it, it sounded like a you know I had the punch of a uh, you know four by twelve, but just more focused with those ten inch speakers. So. Uh, yeah, that's what we decided to uh, kind of go with with um, my uh, custom um, collaboration amp. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see it when that thing drops. You know, that's a. Uh, I'm excited to see it too. It's like a baby waiting to drop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a dad pacing in uh, the waiting room waiting for it. But I, uh, I've been getting some uh, pics, and I, I think I sent you a pic of the panel last week. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. It. It. You know, once it starts to take real form it's like super super excited i i can't believe it's happening um and um i'm super like honored and blessed to be working with chris and uh Vince and Amps. dude i've Crazy. been in the exact same spot where you are where uh with when 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 the vincent was developed he was sending me faceplate shots and stuff and i'm just like ooh, i remember walking around in new york city like talking on the phone with him and like and we kind of had the concept together of how that amp works and I know exactly crazy. what you're going through right now. It's like, come on, baby. This is, this yeah. I mean, it's even crazier when it's an amp that you, um, collaborated like with him on. And it's like a, it's like a new model. I mean, I don't, 
I don't think it's going to be commercially available um, for a while. If it ever, if it ever is, you know, if you got juice with Benson, you can probably call them and get one made or, but um, just to see it, you know, a, a unique new um, logo yeah. on a Benson amp is like, what the, you know, it's, a, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, to me, it, it's truly, truly amazing. Like I said, he's a, he's a genius. I, I don't take uh, any of this lightly, but you know, I, I think it's something in the air up there in Portland, man. Where it's just <laughs> like my my hero lives up there, Eddie Martinez, um, the guy that's you know uh, responsible for me picking up guitar, probably with his work with Run DMC and uh, yeah. You know, you, you're up there and Chris is up there and uh, it's just something in the creative air um, up in Oregon that I think is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to head up there soon. And I also work with another um, super company based in uh, Portland called Campfire Audio. Um, they make amazing IEMs. I don't know if oh. a lot of your listeners are... are are digging on IEMs yet, but IEMs have changed uh, the way that I hear everything. Um, so Campfire Audio is uh, up there in Portland. Check them out. And I, and I know that. I mean, when, when we're, yeah, when we're done with this, I'm going to link you guys in, have them send you a unit, uh, because I can guarantee that it, they'll probably replace what you have on your head right now. Um, it, I'm not trying to plug shit. Oh, excuse me. I'm not trying to plug, but, uh, you know, it, you know, great products is what make or would allow guitars to make great music. So Campfire Audio, man, dope. And uh Benson Amp, dope. You guys dope. Eddie Martinez, dope. All important. <laughs> so it's it's amazing. You guys are fresh up there, really fresh. Yeah, when you come up, you'll have to come by the shred shed and nerd out. We'll we'll have a good time. It'll be fun. Well our our, our plan is um when the amp is done, like I I don't know what uh what restrictions are gonna allow, but yeah, me and DMC coming up there with and linking up with Eddie, jamming with Chris. Oh man, in, in his little room. And yeah, then you're, invite, you're you're more invited. You're more than invited to join that all star band. So it'll be me, you, Chris, DMC, and Eddie Martinez. Oh man, and five <laughs> five piece. Maybe we can take it on the road if it, if it's funky. <laughs> Dude, that would be amazing. That'd be amazing. No well, doubt. Let's get into your story, though. Uh, you sure. Know, like, we can nerd out on gear all day. I know we could, and we probably will. But mm -hmm. we need to introduce the listeners to you. And, like, you know, you you and I talked on the phone yesterday and kind of hinted at some some very interesting background that I think uh, a lot of people will enjoy hearing about. So, like, what made you pick up the guitar and get to where you're playing with DMC? You know, that's crazy. Uh, wow. Um, well, I've told the story over and over again, and I'll tell it again. Um, you know, when I was a kid growing up, um, it was like the end of disco and the advent of um, hip hop that was just starting around 79, 80. But something was happen happening culturally in New York, where I'm from, where punk was exploding. Um, you had hip hop exploding. Um, and then you had um, progressive DJs in New York uh, a gentleman by the name of Frankie Crocker, the chief rocker, was a the um, he was a DJ of the number one station in New York, um, WBLS, and he played a wide variety of music. So um, I on his show, I heard everything from Queen, another one bites the dust. So when I'm talking about '79, I was 
I was about three or four years old. Queen, another one bites the dust. Um, uh, Mountain, Led Zeppelin, um, The Rolling Stones, Miss You. Any uh, rock record that had a groove or that um, black people dug, Frankie Crocker played it. So I was exposed to a lot of um, uh, of rock music from that. So that leads us into... Um, like 1982, 1983. Buddy of mine, John Fiore, I'm still in contact with um, my man lives in Vegas. He brought Van Halen 1984 to school. Uh, the Van Halen album with the baby on the cover smoking a cigarette. And it was like he brought a, um, a nudie mag to school or something. For, 18, for an eight-year-old kid, it was amazing. At that time, Van Halen was uh, exploding with... Um, the 1984 album, Jump, Hot for Teacher, was very, very popular videos. And as an eight-year-old, you're parked in front of MTV, and uh, it, it's just amazing. So my friend John brought this tape to school. I brought it home, and that was my first rock tape. Now, that same year, Run DMC was the first hip-hop group to um, get a, a video played on MTV for their amazing groundbreaking record, Rockbox. Yep. And and that changed everything for me because uh, you know, I was familiar and loved the guitar, um the sound of the guitar because it was pre uh starting to be prevalent in all music in the 80s. RB music had soaring guitar solos. Pop tunes had soaring guitar solos. I mean, like, everyone from, like, Patti LaBelle to, like, Quiet Riot. I mean, it was a, a, a guitar woven through all that 80s music. So Run DMC with Rockbox exploding on MTV as a kid. I love that sound because Run DMC looked like the guys that was right outside my window. Um, and, and they redefined what a rock star meant uh, to to kids that look like me. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about having, you know, big hair or spandex, whatever. My heroes look just like me, so therefore I, I really assimilated to that. Sitting in front of TV waiting for Run DMC video to come on once or twice a day, I was exposed to everything else that MTV was offering at that time. More Van Halen. Um, you know, Again, Quiet Riot, Twisted Sister. Every band that broke big in 83, 84 because of Bon Jovi with Runaway. All of those songs, um, because I was waiting for Run DMC and Prince and Michael Jackson that year, I became a fan of, of rock music. Big fan. But then also Run DMC sounded just like the, you know, the rock music that I was hearing um, along with their video. So it was one sound and as a result, that sound started to unite people where mm -hmm. I started going to school. And, um, you know, the white kids that I hung out with in school all of a sudden were wearing Adidas. Like, <laughs> yo, what's up? You know, <laughs> so it, it was a beautiful time where music and culture just merged. And I was a kid of that era. And, you know, a couple years later, I picked. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. And mine's on mine's on top of my pedal board too. Except yeah. uh yeah. mine has the mine has the Hancock on it though. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, Run D so like I said, I was a kid who grew up idolizing Run DMC, 
and that whole sound. And now, like, all over my room, it looks like a, a, a Run DMC merchandise store because <laughs> I have the honor of playing and producing um, for DMC. So yeah. like I said, it was the 80s sound, the MTV era, and just being the right age at that time when everything just exploded, um, that's what really got me on the road to guitar. Mm-hmm. So for the listeners who are just audio only, I he said the white kids started wearing Adidas and I held up my superstars that I'm wearing right now because, yeah, I wear Adidas all the time. And DMC is a large part of why that is. So, you know, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, uh, look, uh, you asked me uh, like how did I wind up, you know, the trajectory like this is what I want everyone to understand. Everyone that plays guitar, mm-hmm. uh, whether in your whether in your room doing it or you're an established artist or you're a former classic artist that um you know is about to make a comeback no matter what stage you are just play hard mm-hmm. like you can't judge yourself by um what you see on the internet you know or or you know you can't judge your skill level by what you see others do your journey is individual to yourself it's just like tone you mm-hmm. can't really always listen to what everyone thinks what what they think is great or whatever it's it's great to take note of that but be an individual but when you're in your room play as hard as you can because you never know who's watching and you never know where you may end up there's tons of guitarists on uh instagram that has quadruple the following that i have and if, if you it and if you're a guitarist, you judge yourself based on others following. You're going to constantly be hurt. Judge yourself on the music that you do and the music that you play, because um, you know those that have triple the following does don't have the credentials that I have. They don't have these things shining on the wall behind me. Um, they don't have the, the the great connection with a rock and roll hall of famer the way I have. So don't be concerned with. Uh, views and likes just con- concern yourself with playing as hard, hard as you can and loving and and, and loving the instrument because some, sometimes you, you try so hard to succeed and you're so frustrated with not um, reaching a certain plateau that you you, um, you forget the love that you had for it right. and, and and that even goes with content creators who uh, who may have hundreds of thousands of followers but now there's a pressure to get up and, and make content every day. I'm sure you can relate. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So <laughs> um, it, it and sometimes when you're when you have to conduct meetings or on Zooms and interviews and constantly setting up to record daily, that's a, a job as well. And you may lose your love for it as well. So someone with 150,000 followers may be having a miserable time, <laughs> or, you know, so judge your own trajectory and just. When you're in your room, play as hard as you, as you can because you never know who may be watching. In my case, um, Gibson was watching. Chris Benson was watching. DMC was watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, individuals like yourself was watching. Ernie Ball was watching. So, yeah, I, I'm in a very, very blessed position. Mm-hmm. So You mentioned something on the phone yesterday that I kind of wanted to to, to dig into because it's an experience that, that I don't have, you know, where you mentioned, you know, growing up in the neighborhood you grew up in, 
and liking rock music was you know, kind of not really the thing, right? And you, you were talking about the transition from boom boxes to headphones and how, you know... Oh, yeah, that changed my life. And yeah. it, 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 it's crazy because uh, the shirt I have on, Kiss mm-hmm. Asylum, that was a, uh, a life-changing album for me. It had Tears of Falling on it, Who Wants to Be Lonely, Up All Night, King of the Mountain. It was like the real, the first album where their new guitarist, Bruce Kulick, got a chance to burn. The videos were all over MTV, and it was just... And the songs also had a unique groove to them that I didn't understand until later on. I I, I found out that the guy who wrote all those um, records and produced those records and played bass on those records was a Black dude, Gene Bouvier, mm-hmm. Paul Stanley's homeboy. Uh, he was a writer. I'm like, okay, so that's why those songs almost <laughs> feel like R&B. Like, yo, they, I mean, and Paul Stanley, amazing vocally. Now, back to what you said about being, yeah, being a Black kid growing up in 80s New York when everyone's playing booming, you know, hip-hop beats through boomboxes, I was doing the same thing. I love hip-hop as well. You could not escape it. It was who I was. But at the same time, based on what we talked about before, I loved rock music. But it's not like I was ro- going to roll around in with New York banging Kiss out my boombox. <laughs> so around, you know, 85, 86, you know, the at Walkman's dropped in price. Mm-hmm. And, and the Christmas of 86, I got a bike and I got a Walkman. And um, the first cassette I got with my Walkman was Run DMC, Raising Hell. Nice. Yeah. So as a as an 11-year-old kid, man, I put that in, in the headphones, hopped on my bike and just took off into the world of music and just, but you're right. It, it was a, a tough thing, but the advent of headphones allowed me to, to listen to the music I wanted to listen to develop as a person without having to, um, uh, you know, constantly defend myself and, 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 and uh, fight for the kind of music I love. But at the same time, I, I, I did have to fight at certain times at first, because if somebody comes up to you, is like, yo, dude, what are you listening to? And you're like, kiss. And, you know, it's like, what? Oh, that's some white, that's some white boy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to fight. <laughs> and, I, and I did fight. Mm-hmm. I, I punched cats in the face for what I like and for what I believed in back then. And it only took, sometimes it only takes one time to stand up for yourself, as, you know, they always say. Mm-hmm. And then it's a, it's a different, uh, it's a different story. So yeah, I mean, it, it for 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 black kids growing up in the eighties and nineties, and I'm sure now it's tough to um, dig a music to where you don't see yourself in the scene, and then you also have to explain it to your own people, like why you you like it. But you know what? I, I tell you, the the greatest thing about hip hop music is I learned so much about rock music from being a hip-hop guy, digging in those crates, mm-hmm. looking for samples, um, really opened up my musical palette in a way that I don't think would have happened if I wasn't a hip-hop guy. Yeah. I'm digging, I'm finding Pink Floyd, I'm finding, you know, um, Mountain, I'm finding 10CC, um, you know, Sabbath, all of these bands, uh, along with the funk and soul stuff that, we use is is really what what shaped me. Like it made me really a well-rounded guitar player because I'm able to play and groove on any style. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, my secret weapon is, is rock because, you know, when I step in a room and, and it's funny because, you know, I sent you the video yesterday and uh, people still don't believe it's they think it's smoke and mirrors. <laughs> like, <laughs> like somehow it's a plug in that's playing or something because, you know, um, uh, hip hop music has the, the unfortunate and and false reputation of not being musical it is it's super musical and there's super talented musicians in it but you know you have to get out there and prove to people that you can you can rip and and it's funny being a black dude and being a guitar player i'm all for that i'm a gunslinger i i love i love when i when you hear stories about buddy guy back in the day and like look Back in the day in Chicago, the Chicago bluesmen, you just couldn't come to town and say that you were the baddest bluesman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like how these cats on the internet do now, you know. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. I have a hundred thousand fossils. I'm the baddest guitarist. You're like, are you? you? Know, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, back in the day, like buddy guy, those dudes might show up at their show. <laughs> like, and it, it it might be on the gunslinger mentality. Mm-hmm. And that also comes from me being a hip hop guy, being a hip hop DJ. I was a battle DJ to where um, I really wasn't rocking parties. It's like we were getting up on stage, which helped me be a guitarist as well, mm-hmm. getting up on stage and co- competing against one another. So I totally have a gunslinger mentality. And that's why me and DMC are like going out on the road in, in a couple months. And honestly, I'm going to hop up on some stages. Yeah. And it's going to be it's going to be uncomfortable for some cats. It's all love. It's all music. But I, I feel like I have to be a gunslinger because, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people in your podcast and people that are like, who is this guy? Why? Um, you know, why is he down with Gibson? Like, like sometimes it's not enough that you tell them that I rock with a rock and roll Hall of Fame group and I produce for a rock. <laughs> they still want to see it. And I'm the type of cat, if you want to see it. I'm going to show you, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's fun, man. It's musical. And it's, I, I, I love the, um, being a kid that, that had to like defend my musical choices. It just makes you tougher. It makes you a, a better guitar player. Mm-hmm. Again, I have a, a children's book, honestly, coming out on a couple weeks, a couple months, but it'll be finished in a couple weeks called kid with the rock guitar. Yeah. And if you listen to, uh, me and Daryl's new song, ghetto metal, it's all about my story as, as a young kid playing guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's told in like the third person to where the first line he says, uh, I met a little black kid with a rock guitar. He said, DMC, I know who you are. Because like when I got my guitar, the first guitar riff I learned was run DMC, King of Rock. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy to, to now, you know, you know, to wake up from text from a rock and roll hall of famer, especially someone who you grew up admiring their music so much and they meant so much to so many people culturally mm-hmm. run DMC. Like you said, you rock Adidas, your mom can rock Adidas and feel cool. And, um, you know, Adidas were around way before Red DMC, but they made it cool. <laughs> and just a universal symbol of just unity and dopeness to where when I come to Portland and we jam together, like you'll see there's not a pretension about um, DMC at, at all. Um, I liken him. I liken DMC to the, to the black Beatles. If I had to compare them to anyone in, uh, in terms of impact uh, to 
and what they meant to to African Americans. So, so that's the equivalent. So, so the works DMC is kind of like the equivalent of waking up and and kind of like working with Paul and John like combined. Like it, it, it's it can be so iconic, and at times it can be overwhelming. So that's why you know it's important. I, again, I, I stress and I say, just go to your room, let it all out, mm-hmm. let the, the stress of the world go, and play. Yep. Because as at the end of the day, that's what a musician and being a guitarist and being a part of the tone mob is about. That's playing. right. That's right. So, you know, it's it's an interesting world that we've kind of found ourselves in these days. You know, for all of the problems that people cite with the music industry and all of the issues that you know artists have to deal with one thing i think that is really a positive thing is that these lines that used to exist even when i was a kid are are kind of going away you know like they're can i can i ask how old you are i'm 33 Mm -hmm. okay yeah so like when i was a kid you know it was kind of weird to see even in like i was really into punk so even seeing Mm -hmm. like a metal band playing with a punk band was kind of like, Oh, that's kind of weird. Uh, mm-hmm. the here, you know? Um, and there was this division and these days I just feel like that's completely gone. Like it's nothing for, you know, a, a rapper to open up for a rocker and vice versa. Yeah. All sure. the time. And, and then and you genres know. are blending together in a way, which run DMC started honestly. And so it was, it's this weird world where like, it's almost hard for me to imagine. I, after we talked yesterday, I was reminded of a story that uh, you should talk to Daryl about if you haven't already, because I'd love to know if this is accurate, is that The Clash, if I remember the story correctly, The Clash brought Run DMC to open up for them uh, at their like one of their first U.S. states. And the crowd was not having it. Like they were not. Yeah, I, 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 um, I, I've heard that story. Like I, I'm, I'll definitely ask him. Yeah, um, but there was certainly a lot of resistance a good story i have he just recently told me um was live aid <laughs> oh yeah i mean like look these cats rock at live aid right. he talks about queen you know the zeppelin breakdown at live aid um which i don't even think i think zeppelin was dope at live aid you know uh but run dmc rock rock live aid with two turntables and a microphone right and the sun was warping the um record Oh, so like, only DJs know this, like it. So it was warping, and then they came out and said they did King of Rock, mm-hmm. and, where DMC comes out and he's like, "I'm the King of Rock." There is that fifty, a hundred thousand people in Philadelphia. So May is mind blowing. He told me that when he got there, um, Bob Geldof really wasn't keen on Run DMC performing. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you've heard a lot of things about Bob Geldof. He's an amazing man. He put together a live aid. Didn't want Run DMC to perform. Why? Oh, Middle America, see these three guys come on stage. People are going to turn their television off and people won't donate. Hmm. That was kind of mind-blowing for me. Wow. Like these, these behind-the-scenes stories that maybe make me just shake my head. Right. Uh, so if you if you watch the live aid broadcast um, that was on MTV, I was a kid that got up at seven in the morning to watch the broadcast because I think they run DMC performed at like 10 at 10 a.m. because it was simulcast in London. Mm-hmm. They played 10 
to 15 seconds of King of Rock. And then the correspondent was like, we're going to go live to London with Black Sabbath. Oh, geez. <laughs> cut, cut the performance off. I was like, holy crap. But what the crowd saw that day and what you can see now on YouTube, the whole performance, Run DMC, it was a cultural shift. It was like a bomb hit the stadium that day, a positive cultural bomb that the same stage that, uh, you know, Freddie Mercury rocked on or whatever, Run DMC came out and rocked on. But the funny story is Bob Geldof did not want Run DMC to go on because they felt it would, you know, tank the donations. Um, but Bill Graham, the legendary mm-hmm. Bill Graham from Fillmore East, stood up for Run DMC because they were, I think, believe, at that time, Bill Graham was booking Run DMC tour uh, in, in the U.S. Right. And Bill Graham was like, look, these guys are the new rock stars. They're the same, you know, this music is the same thing that punk was six, seven years ago. It's the same thing that, you know, uh, Elvis or the Beatles was 30 years ago. And if you don't let them go on, the rest of my bands that are going to go on, I'm pulling them. Bob Geldof was like, Bob Geldof changed his tune quick. Run DMC went on. The rest is history. But I thought that was just a mind. Like, you told me that story. I'm like, yeah, I got to go out to my car for a second. <laughs> I went out to my car was like, what did I just hear? Right. And then right, and then right before he started the story, because it was like an intermission um, with the band, like when we were shooting the video, uh, DMC was like, uh, yeah, you know, I was with Paul McCartney two weeks ago. <laughs> like, the whole <laughs> room just stopped. Like, like a what? <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, he just casually was like, yeah, I was with Paul McCartney two weeks ago. He was doing an interview for, uh, I don't know, Greatest Musical Icons or something. I don't know who those, but it, it, it's uh, mind-boggling. But, yeah, it, it the resistance from people uh, is, is going to be there, man. But, look, no one should trip on that. Music is, music is for, for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as, a, as a, to all the, you know, African-American black guitarists out there, um, love all genres of music. If you love heavy metal, that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like, love that music, but don't kill yourself to be accepted by scene. It's okay to love a music and not be a part of the scene. You know what I mean? I think that's where a lot of um, young people get caught up because they, you know, young people want to be a part of something, especially right. people, young people who feel alienated in life and things of that nature. So again, it goes back to be yourself, but don't feel bad if you don't feel part or accepted to a scene. It's okay. You can still love heavy metal music, heavy metal bands. And alternatively, if, alternatively it, it, it's great for any kind of people like any kind of music. Um, but you don't have to feel like you're uh, being accepted to a scene. That was something that I had to get over because culturally at that time in the late 80s, it was tough because there was absolutely, when I watched Headbangers Ball back in the day, and um, when I was a kid, I used to watch Yon TV raps, take a break in between, and then Headbangers Ball would come on like an hour later. Mm-hmm. So it was a marvelous time to where all this music is just on a Saturday night, you can just hang out and be exposed to everything. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it was, 
it was just a marvelous time. But during that time, like the whole three or four years, while there was not one black band that I saw or anyone that looked like me. So when you're 12 and 13 and you're growing up, you 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 want to kind of feel like you're a part of something. And but like I said, culturally things were happening, and a lot of people don't know that Anthrax was managed by Rush Management. For right. those who don't know who Rush Management is, Rush Management is Russell Simmons, and they managed Run DMC, and Russell Simmons had Def Jam, the label. You may have heard Slayer. <laughs> Slayer was on Def Jam. Yep. yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Rick Rubin, who also produced Run DMC's amazing breakthrough, Raising Hell, produced Slayer's Raising Hell. The, the same year, the mm-hmm. next year. So, you know, like I said, although there was walls up back then, it really wasn't. Those walls were starting to tumble, like you said. Yeah. Um, because I saw I saw an anthrax video um with my dude Scott in. Now, you know, years later they went on to do um Bring the Noise with Public Enemy remix, mm-hmm. but way before that. I Anthrax had a song called I'm the Man. And it was a rap song. And right. in the video, Scott Ian had a public enemy t-shirt on. It was 1987. <laughs> right. Public Enemy's first album had just came out. No one knew had, who Public Enemy was. But again, those walls were already broken down behind the scenes. Anthrax was managed by Rush Management. So was Slayer. So was Rush DMC. So was the Beastie Boys. So it was. Those walls were being broken down, and what Run DMC did, mashing the um, genres together with what walked this way, was this the big bang. And, yeah. and I, and honestly, like you know, to relate comic books and stuff to it, if that was the big bang, then I'm a mutant because I was affected by <laughs> that big bang. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and if I remember correctly, too, didn't somebody from Slayer play? on a run DMC record, play a solo or something. I can't remember if that's accurate or not, but that I'm reaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Slayer redid, um, public enemy. Uh, yeah, well, actually the history is kind of crazy because, um, Kerry King played, um, uh, played the guitar solo on the beastie boys. No sleep to Brooklyn. That's right. Um, that's right. So that, that was amazing. And then um, uh, uh, Public Enemy um, redid Slayer's Angel of Death on, on um, It Takes a Nation to, to Millions to Hold Us Back. So if you was a kid and you were listening and you knew what was up, all of, all, all of that stuff, you know, was right under your nose. And, you know, again, it took, it took certain walls to break down for everyone to to openly enjoy this music, but me and D talk about this all the time. You know, it, eventually it happened, and it's it's amazing. It, it yeah. really, it really feels amazing. Yeah. So when you first met Daryl, how did he find you? How did how what was that meeting like? Because he was such a big well, inspiration. Was, you know, like that had to have been sure. This was uh the early days of. Um, of social media, probably like around 2011 mm-hmm. to where, um, it wasn't so crazy. You know, uh, a lot of entertainers were just starting their, their, um, social media pages. And, um, 
you know, it was a situation where my former manager was helping um, Daryl start his comic book company. And so I just reached out to D like, hey, you know, uh, I was managed by such and such. It's because of you that I play guitar. And I'm like, yo, I'd be a fool if I didn't send you some tracks that I have. And being the accessible, cool, like, honestly, this is the most accessible, accessible, I don't know about accessible, but the, the most coolest down-to-earth rock and roll Hall of Famer you're, you're ever going to meet. If you talk to anyone about uh, DMC, he's just an amazing guy. It's all about the children, spreading love and spreading happiness. And that's what Run DMC Music was always about. Totally. So I, I shot him over, like, you know, I shot him over tracks that I, I knew that if he heard them, it was going to be a rap, a proverbial rap. Mm-hmm. So um, I shot him over some real heavy guitar-oriented stuff on like a Sunday, early Sunday morning. I'll never forget it. It could have been Memorial Day uh, weekend, Memorial Day. Early Sunday morning, about 6 in the morning, shot him the email tracks and then went back to sleep. About two hours later, I woke up to like five emails from him. Like, yo, what the hell is this? This is the heaviest, you know, hardest. Like, these riffs are crazy because it, it wasn't hip-hop beats um, with just guitar over it. They were real, real rock tracks. Yeah. Because at that time, I was rocking with, um, I had just met my drummer, Ephraim, and I was I was laying a lot of band tracks in, in, in the live room. So they had a heavy, hard sound that... um. I think really surprised him. He was like, yo, where, who are you and where are you from? So I just kind of quickly broke down my background. Some of the stuff I had produced before him, because, you know, uh, I had prior to that, prior to working with Daryl, I had produced for 50 cent, Jim Mm -hmm. Jones, a lot of hip hop guys. Um, Al Petrelli from Megadeth was my guitar teacher. Oh, wow. uh, Back, back in New York. Um, so, um, after I had done a bunch of hip hop stuff, I kind of took a break so I can just really become a, the, the best guitarist I could be. And that point is when I met, um, Daryl. So it was a perfect opportunity. So I sent him all these heavy tracks and he was like, yo, I, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to the studio today. I'm like, what in the holy hell just happened? <laughs> Literally, this is 10 in the morning. I'm like, okay, I, that's awesome. But I don't think he's gonna go to studios it's memorial day sunday <laughs> by 12 o'clock that sunday he had finished the track and sent me everything the, the pro tools files with his vocals and everything to do with the track back within one afternoon so wow. within one afternoon we recorded our first song so when he sends me the files back and i, I throw them in pro tools it's like, and then you solo the, the instruments and you solo his voice. And it's the voice of the king of rock. Like one of the greatest voices in music is it, just so distinctive and iconic to hear him, to hear him performing over my tracks, over riffs that I wrote in my room. It, it was a, a really mind boggling moment. But then you can't get too caught up in that. Right. You know, because um, I, I've seen a lot of producers and artists that work with him that get caught up in that and they're not able to make new music. So I had to quickly snap out of it like, 
all right, this is this is dope, but let me let me try to finish the song and make it really dope. So that's what I concentrate on doing. And as a result, he was really so impressed with how quick I mixed the track and got it back that I sent him quickly another one. Now, this track was a hip-hop, more hip-hop-based track. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to show him that, look, I can, I, I'm really trying to perfect both. And I've tried to perfect both. And then I hit him with that, and it was the same situation. Yo, this is amazing. And that record became, those two records became our first single, Hellraisers slash None Higher, um, which came out in 2015. That's incredible. So, so like I said, those records happened in an after, like in an afternoon. And then, you know, sometimes it, in your life, the riffs go from just riffs and ideas to this very quickly. And you have to be able to um, be professional enough, enough to get the job done, not get starstruck, but deliver. Because if I didn't deliver on that record, we never would have gotten to ghetto metal. Now, what me and DMC do, the way he likes to describe it, is like we're like Slash and Miles Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to tell, like, yo, I'm not Slash, dude. Like, I'm not <laughs> iconic. He's like, no, like, like the, the, the principle of the guitarist and like the vocalist mm-hmm. that can come together. You know, they're known for other projects, but come together every year to make a banger. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah, we are, we we could be that. And I totally dig it. So if you notice in the video for Ghetto Metal, um, it's like he's really propping me up on some Guitar Hero stuff. And I really love him for that. Um, but it really means a lot to rock side by side with him. Like in that video. Yeah. It's like we're bumping up against it. It's, honestly, like we wanted to capture the fun and the feeling of Van Halen and the bands that he and I both love because DMC is a tremendous rock fan. And honestly, the collaborations that he has with um, with some of the giants of rock is really amazing. Like this year, some of the stuff that he has coming out and some of the stuff that I'm working on now for him is, is the collaborations are really amazing. I, I, I can't wait for all the fans of um, hard rock and metal and hip hop to, to dig some of the stuff we're doing is really, really going to be dope, man. Yeah, dude, this is, this has been so interesting to hear about because, you know, it's just like one of these things that I realized from doing this show, like I've been very gear focused. Everything I have ever done has been about the gear and like what pedal are you using and all that, man, we didn't even really talk about that. We didn't even get into that yet. What are we, we got time. We'll, we'll be okay. Right. I wanted to, okay. this is, that's why I said it's a show about guitar stuff occasionally sometimes. Cause it right. used to be just like, I thought it was going to be very dry, like almost like rig rundown type of interviews. And I quickly mm-hmm. realized like, Hey, that's already been done. Like people, sure. people are already doing that. And it's not, it's not very conducive to audio only, you know, which this was primarily for a long time. And mm-hmm. And so I realized just the conversations are what's what people are here for. They just want to hear us talk about things that we're passionate about. Um, but what what was really eye-opening for me, and I didn't actually start putting into action until 2021, was I got to interview some of my musical heroes, you know, people I've been listening to for years. And I realized, you know, I and I've said this on a few episodes where I kind of put them on this pedestal, you know, in my mind. Like they're more talented than me and they're better than me. And in a lot of ways, you know, everyone has their unique talents and skills. And so in some ways that's true, but through meeting them and talking to them and, and having more and more conversations, I realized, well, 
they might be better at me at than you know at certain specific things, but I can I can make music. Like it doesn't have to be all overdrive pedal demos. It doesn't have to be all just like here's what this sounds like, dirt, dirt, dirt. I can just make music to make music. And yeah. I'm finally doing that in 2021. And it's been it's like all I want to do now. It's just I just want to I make I make stuff every night. And it's weird and it's crazy and it makes no sense half the time, but it's a therapeutic process for me. You know, you know what? It sounds like you found the love again. Mm-hmm. And that's, so, that's exactly what we were talking about earlier. Like um, sometimes you get so caught up in the podcast and doing this and feeling like, you know, if you don't re- review the new Strymon pedal, like then someone else is going to beat you. It's like, n- like that's important too. But the most important thing is getting your hands on the guitar and like playing. And again, to go back to Daryl, like he, he told he told me the pandemic was very important uh, for our music because he's a super busy guy. Yeah. When I say super busy, he can be anywhere doing like a rock world hall of fame induction or speaking at a kid's school, but pandemic forced all of us to slow down and it really forced my butt to get back in the studio and, and not even so much back in the studio, it just gave me more time to play. Yeah. And um, as a result, you know, um, I, I started playing things and, and playing riffs and melodies that I hadn't thought about since I was a kid, you know, and that's what brought about ghetto metal because it it kind of allowed me to reset and go back to a simpler time. And, um, you know, I tell you, Kramer just sent me a, um, a Beretta. I, I might pull it out later, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's a Beretta with a Floyd Rose. I, hadn't, I haven't played a Floyd Rose in, in like a, a, a really long time. And it was just, it's just so fun. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you, you forget <laughs> about this, this, this fun stuff you love because oh, you're trying to keep up with these last four guys. And you know what I'm saying? Like everything is, you know, if it's not a 59 reissue or if it's, you know, if it's not, you know, whatever it is, then, you know, you just got to get back to like doing your thing and, and just grooving and just by playing like what you love, man. And like, whatever that is, find your safe space and you don't need to do it for the internet. (laughs) You know, I I mean, um, honestly, like it, I don't have the time or the bandwidth to post every day. Like I see some, a lot of guitars that are super talented, but I think their, their most, um, their biggest talent is their ability to post every day. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Having the bandwidth. I can't do that. Like I, I, not only am I working for, uh, full-time for DMC, which is that anytime we could be going on the road for our single or his single or something that we're doing, I produce for other artists too. Like my next record, um, as soon as we finish recording it, is with Val B. King, B.B. King's granddaughter. Oh, wow. Um, and that's just a super heavy blues record. So I, I jump from genre to genre. I don't have time to like, you know, post my newest licks like the way I, I've seen some of these guitarists rise to fame. And again, like I said, if you judge yourself by what you see others doing, whether it's in your musical career or in your life, you're going to have problems. So being an older cat, I'm, you know, I, I want to talk to all the young people out there, you know, saying believe in yourself always. That's the toughest thing to do as a young person. I have children that are, that are, um, you know, in their late teens, early twenties. And, you know, belief in yourself is important. Um, I try to stress to them, like get out of virtual land, 
some you know sometimes be alert of your surroundings and and uh and be aware of what you love music is the only art form that you can feel but you can't touch it yeah <laughs> you know um unless you're a musician then you can't touch it mm-hmm. in a way you can't manipulate it you can't touch it so musicians have tremendous power whether you're a um a beginner or intermediate pro level like, like I am or producer or whatever. Um, the music that you play has a tremendous amount of power um, for yourself. It doesn't have to always be for someone, you know, play chords that make you happy. You know that, I mean, and also, and I, I want to say this to people who listen to maybe listen to one genre of music, explore different genres and don't feel corny. If you do, like if you're one thing I always ask, like my metal friends and um and my white friends and my metal friends, like what do y'all get sexy to? <laughs> like when it's time to when it's time to hang out, you know, like with a chick, like like what do you play? Oh, it's not Blood by Slayer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my point. Like at, a certain, at a certain point, it's like you there has to be a uh, balance. Mm-hmm. It just can't be all heavy, heavy, heavy music. Like I, I've learned, I've learned that in my life where I, I've went on stretches where I just listen to the hardest, heaviest stuff. But then when I listen to something that's like Motown, it's like, Oh my goodness. It's just like a release. Oh man. Um, because, um, of the dynamics in certain kinds of music. So I, I always ask my metal friends and my, and my rock friends, like, what do y'all, what do you groove? Like, what do you groove to, dude? Like, when it's time to set the mood, like, what do you say? What do you, what do you groove to? <laughs> Honestly, this might sound weird. I, I don't, nothing. Silent. A lot of, yo, yeah. It doesn't sound weird because, like I said, I talked to a lot of my friends about it and they all have said the same thing. Look, at that, honestly, like, dude, like, that's. I wonder if that's a cultural thing. It, I, 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 I don't want to say it is, but yeah. Or, I've talked to a lot of my white friends, a lot of rock cats, because we're just super close friends. I'm like, yo, what do you guys get sexy to? What do you guys groove to? And most of them have said, you know, like nothing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, when it's time to set the mood musically, like say, like what would you play for a girl on your first date? Yeah. Hmm. So that, like, like, like if I'm thinking about this, because I listen to a lot of heavy stuff as we talked about. And if we were like just going to hang out, you know, we were were just chilling and I wanted to put on a record. Legit, Mm -hmm. I would probably start with either. I would probably start with Sam Cooke. Legit. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, that's what I'm talking about. Like my favorite, like when I'm I'm like, I've been listening to nothing but hardcore for like three weeks. And I like, I just put on, I put on Sam Cooke and I'm like, listen to this guy. Right. So like I said, like, so Sam Cooke mm-hmm. is your dynamic music. I feel like, you're, I you're, feel like if you don't like Sam Cooke, then you're not going to like anything. You sure. know? <laughs> my, my, my point, my point in asking you and why I love to ask everyone is that um, dynamics and music is uh, what makes the, the best songs mm-hmm. going from soft and beautiful to heavy and all your favorite heavy songs, whether it's Metallica um, you know, Megadeth. It starts with the, the their greatest songs start with Clean, and then well, that was goes like to Crush. Thing. 
the dynamic it was quiet, loud, quiet, yeah. loud, back and forth. That was like their whole. Absolutely. So, you know, being a musician is the same thing. And so that's why I always ask cats like in your quiet time, it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, romantic or whatever. But in your quiet time, when you want to chill when you need something because it's important to replenish your soul. Yeah. And um, that's that's um, that's the only thing that oh, that's the only reason why uh, I can't listen to heavy music. 100 percent of the time well so because for me i uh i listen to when i put on vinyl it's generally not heavy i have a lot of heavy vinyl but i don't listen sure. to nearly as much when i put on vinyl it's something willie nelson yeah jennings I, you know something I, I, but I, I think it's dope like you know again the reason why i asked you i wanted to know what your dynamic music was by you saying sam cook and willie nelson and 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 things of that nature that's dynamic music. And I have a lot of dynamic music too. Mm-hmm. Like um stuff that you would never think a cat like me is into. I'm not talking about rock stuff. I'm talking about like 80s Euro synth, like Banana Rama, <laughs> um, uh, you know, B-52s, Level 42, Human League, because I'm a producer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I have to really love a lot of genres and it has to be just more than um music. I have to be able to produce more than just music that I like. That's important. That's yeah. why I asked about what's your dynamic music. Cause I think um, it's important for guitarists because every guitarist out there can be a producer right now. If you are in your um, home studio and you are making videos and stuff for your YouTube channel and you're recording your own backing track and you're playing the backing track, well, you're producing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, it's important to listen to, to multiple genres because look i'm here to tell people you may get a call one day uh, and you may get a call for someone outside your genre like hey you know um you know i heard your guitar playing could you could you produce a funk tune for me and yeah. you might be out your element if all you've listened to is a certain kind of music um so again and I think it's easier for 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 um, musicians as they get older to embrace certain kinds of stuff because, like, look, when I was a teenager, and and I was one music, I, you know, I went from, you know, uh, hair metal to hip hop, and I didn't listen to to any rock for like five years. Then as I got older, I started missing some of the stuff I used to listen to in my early teens, and then it, it got brought back into the rotation, and then I. It, it, it started my musical pot with dynamics and stuff. But what I find is that kids these days because, or young people is because there's so much in their phone, they don't, out, out, they don't uh, expand their, their palate because everything they need is right there. And, and they don't search for anything else because everything that they love could be really, really accessible. So my point is like, have dynamic music because dynamic music isn't is important um because you know a lot of you heavy musicians at, at one point every musician might meet a significant other and uh rain and blood, <laughs> rain and blood <laughs> might not be a great choice for the first date <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean to, to that point and then we're getting close to the end so i got to get into some the classic questions before we wrap sure. up but uh to that point is the music that i make is uh for myself is n- not anything like what I really listen to on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I still like it, but it doesn't sound like what I've ter- what I would what you would 
what people think I would turn on, you know, like, yeah, right. I'm going to turn on some knocked loose or something. And that's true. Uh, and my music sounds absolutely nothing like that. So yeah. you, you take, you take all these inputs and you, and when you sit down and just try to zone out, you don't know what's going to come out, you know? Yep. And I told, I remember telling my wife when I got this one track done that kind of started the whole dominoes falling for me, just making stuff constantly. I said, I, I like this, but I don't know what to do with it. This isn't like, this isn't me. This isn't what I listen to. This is not part of my, you know, my palette of, of colors that I know how to paint from. And she just said like, maybe, it, maybe it is though. And I was like, sure. Ding! I was like, Oh yeah. It's like a light bulb moment. That's uh, very important. And, and that, that's something important to touch on. Like when I create now, I don't, try to create for the art. I go in and, and I think of myself as the artist. Like, okay, what would what would Big KO rock over if I was doing an album? And then um and then I start from there because it's kind of hard to pull ideas from thin air. That's where a lot of musicians get frustrated. They come in and it's hard to pull stuff out of thin air. I like to go in with a plan. Like okay today I'm doing 80s hard rock and I want it to feel like 1987. And I want it to sound like 1987. Therefore, I'm going to limit myself to the effects that they had in 1987. Oh, okay. I, I find, like, like segueing into the effects that we use uh, and stuff. Um, it, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let everybody on a tip on how I'm able to, or how I was able to capture the sound of uh, on Ghetto Metal. Because a lot of people are like, yo, that sounds like a Def Leppard record, or it sounds like a, yeah. Oh, that's because I, I'm a super fan of Mutt Lang who is Def Leppard's producer. And I'm a super fan of Bob Rock, who was, um, you know, Metallica's producer and Bon Jovi's producer and Ted Templeton, who was um, Van Halen's producer and Eddie Kramer who produced Kiss and et cetera, et cetera. I, I dug rock producers just as much as I dug hip hop producers like DJ Premier and Pete Rock. So I really studied them. So, uh, you know, back to what I was saying, if you want to make a, a record that sounds like 1987, Put away your fuzz pedal that you got in 2017. <laughs> so limit your. It's very fun for me when I think about like an artist like Prince. All right, he made Purple Rain on a a a, 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 a Lindrum machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very limited sequencing, just guitars, a Lindrum, couple keyboards, Purple Rain. Same thing with Thriller or any huge album. That, that you talk about, like there was very limited to what they had. The biggest albums in the world, Thriller, Hotel California, uh, Hysteria, My Def Leppard. It's like, so if you can easily recreate those sounds if you take yourself back to that era. What was in everyone's studio? What was in Mutt Lang? It takes a little bit of research, but it, all the information is out there. Mm -hmm. What was in the rack in the studio? What board did they record off of? Okay, if they recorded off of a uh, Neve or huge Neve, obviously we can't do that. But we have software that can get close. Software that yeah. can that, that can clone that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what was the standard reverb? Okay, Lexicon reverbs were in every studio. Okay, so that's the reverb we're going to use. What I had a chance to talk to Eddie Martinez about. Uh, we did a couple interviews together for the single, and he he told me what the sound was that he got on Rockbox. It was just a. a um, a boss, yellow boss DS1 into a music man amp. A sound that changed wow. the world. Wow. So it's like sometimes I think that we 
you know, because we have so much at our fingertips, we, the, the choices overwhelm us. And it's like, if you have a, a, a crazy board, it's like, you feel like you have to use all of it. And you really <laughs> don't, you don't have to use any of it. Or you might use one little, one pedal out of the 25 that you have, or, you know, it, but to capture the sound of the era, use what they had in that era. You can get it to sound like Hysteria or Motley Crue Theater of Pain, Girls, Girls, Girl, or Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz. I mean, it's commonly known what Randy Rose used on his board. It's commonly known. But, you know, if you want to create music that feels like music from that era that has the same impact, like, that's what me and DMC were able to do with ghetto metal. Like everyone's like, yo, it sounds like classic eighties. Like it sounds like a lost run DMC record, but at the same time, it sounds like, is that pour some sugar on me? Is that nah? What, what you hear is all the influences coming together. And then I'm also using, um, with plugins and then some of the pedals that I got, um, I'm using the stuff that they had in that era. So it sounds like, classic 80s stuff yeah that's great that's that's sometimes we do we 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 get paralysis by analysis you know and that was mm-hmm. me for a long time in fact like a part of the the journey and the listeners have heard the story before but like part of it was like i was like i have all this gear and this wonderful space to record in and i'm and yeah demos are valuable because you want to know what things sound like for you buy them but like like i got all this stuff and i always said like 14 year old me would come in here and punch me right in the face for not making, just making music. Right. <sighs> I could never even fathom that I would be having the stuff that you yeah. have. Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, and, and yeah, it's crazy because, you know, up until about a year and a half ago, I had the basic funk set up because that's all I needed. Uh, basic funk set up, why pedal um, into a, a clean, not a tube amp because funk distortion is a little different. It's a sharper edge. Yeah. It's not really too based. If you listen to Ernie Isley or Eddie Hazel, it's more of a sharper fuzz type thing. So, you know, wah pedal, fuzz, phaser, delay. That's the wah, that's the funk chain. Um, But then, you know, when you start working with DMC, then I have to start creating some of those sounds on his records. So then I I have to reach out to Eddie Martinez. Like, well, what was that on Rockbox? Oh, that was a yellow DS1. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That was that, and then I have to, you know, what's the sound on "Walk This Way"? Because I have we have to play "Walk This Way" at gigs. Okay, so Joe Perry. So it's a lot of um, matching that I had to do. So as a result, the pedal went from the, that little funk rig to what's behind me, which is honestly really getting ridiculous. Can, can you <laughs> see it in the shot, dude? I can see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, um, preamp on there it looks like the. Uh... Yeah, I'm gonna go. Yeah, let's let's stand it up so it's kind of falling down. But let from and again, the reason why it's so raggedy is because I'm currently waiting on um the IK Multimedia X Vibe and also the new Expandora Fuzz that they have coming out. Yeah. So yeah, so let's jump right into the effects. Um, I'm super lucky, like to be rocking with Benson. So the Benson preamp is there, but okay. So Kane currently as of, you know, this morning, because 
Because like we're gonna we talk about yeah, yeah, like we talked about yesterday, it always changes. And and then when you, as soon as you think you have enough space, you don't. So um, so right now it's you know, guitar into wah, which is an electro harmonics cockfight plus wah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know if you I'm sure you're familiar with it, but to the listeners, um, super versatile wah pedal with a fuzz built in. And before I started getting all these fuzzes, the fuzz in the cockfight was really all I needed because it, it, it was like a big muff inside the wah pedal, man. It's Not really dope. Yeah. It's total EQ on it. You can, you know, contour it. Um, it has cry mode and um, talk mode. So it, it does a lot of really dope stuff. So guitar into wah pedal. And then it goes into the IK Multimedia Z-Tone Buffer Boost. So that, you know, boost up my signal after the wah pedal because like i told you yesterday i took my wah pedal off the board because i felt like it was it was sucking tone mm-hmm. and you know why pedals will do that no matter how good they are and then also as a funk player i, I lean too much on my wah pedal because it's fun it's funky and i'm and i'm a funky guy you know what i mean mm-hmm. but um you know i uh so recently i, I put the wah pedal back on and i ran the buffer boost after it and it's a world of difference yeah okay so to listeners out there you know everyone's gonna have their own method but if you have a boost try putting your boost after the wah have you found that to be good for you i have done that before i am a why do you go wah before the boost i've done both i like the boost after the wah personally Mm -hmm. but i'm also the world's worst wah player so i rarely use It just like, seems to me like with this particular rig, like um, putting the boot after the watch, just it, it was sounding really um, uncontrolled the other way around. So, so wide pedal into the IK Multimedia um, buffer boost, and that's giving me a nice, um, clean um, buffer. And as well, if I need a boost, it gives me a, you know a, a super transparent boost. It's not really going to push the gain. It's just going to. You know, some of these fuzz pedals like a lot of a lot of signal going into them. Yeah. So um, that's what the boost after the wash for. So, um, you know, after the Z-Tone buffer boost, we go into the IK Multimedia X Drive. And that's from the X series of pedals. Um, you know, really, really amazing. Like the, like the X Drive pedal for me has really eliminated almost every other drive pedal except the Expandoras just because they're just so dope. And a lot of people get them confused. They're not a multi-effects pedal, the okay. IK multimedia pedal. Right. Um, there are multi-drive pedals. So you're going to get 62 drives, but it's not a multi-effects where you're going to get delay and all that. Right. Just, you're going to get just get the drives themselves. So it's like having if I was to have a Big Muff DS1, um, you know, uh, T, uh, TR, TR9, etc. Um, all those drives are in the IK Multimedia X drive. And it, it's it's so, so dope. Honestly, like because I was trying to dial in the sounds from Run DMC Rockbox. I haven't even really gotten out of um, the boss presets yet. It's just really <laughs> so amazing. So it goes from um, the IK Multimedia um, X Drive into the Expandora the reissue fuzz. Yeah. And man, the Expandora fuzz, when I tell you, <laughs> look, I mean, like as a funk guy, you play a lot of fuzzes. Fuzzes are popular. Eh? So what's it all about? 
Fuzz, fuzz, fuzz. If the listeners haven't checked out X Pandora or don't know the history about the X Pandora fuzz, I'm sure you can do a whole episode alone just on, on those pedals. <laughs> just really, really, really dope, amazing. It's a reissue of the one that came out in the 80s. And for those who don't know, like uh Billy Gibbons was, was a big X Pandora player. Like yeah. the sound, um, uh, a lot of his sound uh was the X Pandora fuzz, you know, back in the day you used to have a stage rig with six X Pandoras on them. Um and honestly, um I, I just I don't want to let too much out the bag, but um, yeah, you're gonna see me rocking with the Rev Billy Billy G uh, in the next couple months. Run DMC, Billy G, DMC, Billy G. Wow. Uh, so that's just a but yeah, X Pandora Fuzz and so the sound of ZZ Top and, and also play like Bootsy Collins used it. It's really amazing. X Pandora Fuzz. We go out from the X Pandora Fuzz and to our friend Chris's preamp. I think everyone has one of these on their board <laughs> right now. Honestly, it's it's like a halfway point for my board for me because yeah. if I'm if I'm playing into a clean amp or uh, you know the Benson will kind of if I need to play at lower volumes, the Benson will control you know my my volume um, mm-hmm. when it comes to like clean tones. So when I step off the drive, the drives I click on the Benson preamp. And then that, along with the Benson amp, is like the clean tones. Very cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, the Benson preamp is just absolutely amazing. It, it, it I, I would tell everyone out there, if you want, everyone wants an amp in a box, um, but that might be the wrong term for this preamp. It's just, it, it just has a sag to it that just feels, I, I don't know, it's just more of that Benson magic to where it, it 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 sounds unlike any preamp. It it you can get it to sound like a fuzz or an overdriven amp or clean amp. It's a really nice uh midway point for my board. Um from there we go into the um electroharmonics, uh small stone. Again, if we're talking about funk tones, somewhere you're gonna have to have a phaser. Um, but I'll be honest with you, this is about to come off as soon as I get the IK multimedia uh X X uh X vibe, which is their um chorus pedal. So um yeah, coming out of that, I'm gonna go into um the IK multimedia um X time, which I'm really, really lucky to have all of these IK multimedia pedals because they're hard to get right now. And um, but I've been an IK artist for about 10 years and I really love amplitude. Um Really big on a lot of records I do, um, and to to have the tone, funny story about Amplitude for Patreon. You're gonna like this one a lot. It's pretty yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the the tones that I'm get on that, that I get in Amplitude with the X pedals, I'm able to take that exact tone, take it on stage. Really groundbreaking. That means I don't have to try to match the tone that I get in the studio. Right. If I use IK Multimedia stuff on, on, on the tracks. Boom. The exact tone take it out is right on my board. And for me, that was amazing. So the, um, the, the X time take, um, delay is just tremendous. Like honestly, and I'm going to make folks mad. I, I said it on, um, on, on one of these internet groups and, and they, <laughs> they tried to burn me. Um, I'm like, yo, these pedals could be the striving killers mm-hmm. people, you know, but people, Again, it goes back to people getting caught up in a brand, which, yo, know, Strymon is amazing. I love them. But again, 
um, it's one of those things that everyone has one and you feel like, oh, I need to get one too. And there's amazing products out there that, you know, as a, as one of the top reviewers in the business, if not the top reviewer and podcast, you know that there are amazing products all from well, a lot of companies that do exactly what some of those must have pedals can do. So, you know, the IK Multimedia X Space, their reverb pedal, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This is the big sky killer. Wow. It's, it's, it's not a coincidence that it's blue. It's not a coincidence that the size of it. And I'll tell you, the I played both. I'm a pro player. I played the, the big sky live in front of 20,000 people. I played it in the studio and I played this one live. This one does everything that the big sky can do for, you know, I'm not going to say a third of the price. I came multimedia. These are boutique pedals. They're, you know, they're, they're pricey too, but I'm not going to say it's the big sky killer. It's the big sky alternative. There you amazing, go. amazing pedal. Really dope. So look, I have three, IK Multimedia X X series pedals on it, the Benson preamp and the X Pandora Fuzz, and soon X Pandora is coming out with um the Forbidden Fuzz, which is going to be a dual channel fuzz. I think you might have. Uh, I have some info, some sneak behind the scenes info with you on that. I was trying to get um my my good friend Brad from X Pandora to join me today, but he's out of town. But I would like. You to chop it up with him because he's really done a great job of bringing X Pandora pedals back. Absolutely. So again, I'm probably gonna have to double the size of this pedal because again, I also have an electro harmonic super ego. Yeah, that, yeah, that is kind of like at the end of this whole chain, just so I can freeze all of this if I need to and play over it. And then again, we have the old mainstays. You know, the memory boy, but mm-hmm. the memory boy is probably going to be the delay for my Moog keyboard. So that's not going to go on the board. But as you can see, man, effects and guitars, it's a never ending <laughs> um, thing. Like, you know, it, it changes. Last year I had three pedals and I, I could have swore that I, I would never need more. And then here we are, uh, you know, a year later and the, the, the landscape of music is different and the landscape of what I need is different. And that's why. Again, I'm going to tell guitarists, don't don't always look at what, you know, your heroes have or what these guys have on their board. Do what works for you, my guys, and and you will have a lot more gratification in your career and in your playing. 100%. I always say, if it sounds good, it is good. doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's just the end of the story right there. If you like it, then it's good. And uh, I had some somebody try to criticize me on that once, and I said, "Well, you're wrong, but okay, you know." Hey, uh, more <laughs> importantly, if it, you know feels, if it feels good to you, yeah, like, I can't, I can't tell you again. Going back to the guitar with, with the whammy, you know, I'm trying to be a serious blues funk player, and you know, <clears throat> just hit the a chord and dive bombing. <laughs> I haven't did it since I was a teenager. I'm like, it's fun. Like, yo, it made me feel good. Mm-hmm. Do what makes you feel, you know, good inside, man, as, as a musician, as a guitar player. Because, again, I think we're at a point where music could, can, and will change the world um, because there's a lot that needs to be changing. Oh, also, b- before, I don't want to forget about this. Okay. Again, shout out to Chris Benson um, because one of the reasons 
why I really wanted to play Vincent Amps was his work with Celeste. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, he, I'm like, she's amazing. She, she, she's amazing. Incredible talent. So amazingly beautiful and such a gifted guitar player. And, and when I saw her get her custom from Benson, I'm like, yo, it may be admired Benson as a company. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm probably wrong and I hope I'm wrong, but I think Celeste probably the first, you know, black woman with her own custom amp. That is just totally amazing to me, man. Like that is dope. Like I'm like, yo, for me, I became a fan of Benson amp right at that point. And mm. it was like the way her amps looked and the way I knew that they sounded, was amazing to me. Then it became a hunt. Okay, how do I get one? Which you know, <laughs> served to be very difficult. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to bother Chris. Everyone in the music industry wants his, his amps. But I'm like, if I ever get a record that I feel that I, I, gives me enough weight that I can reach out to him and make something happen, then I'm going to do it. And the minute <laughs> I felt <laughs> that I had one, because DMC told me like, yo, this is the this could be the best record I've ever done in my career. And it, it stopped me in my tracks. I told him, don't say that to me. Okay? <laughs> a rock and roll hall of famer told me that I just produced it, his best record. It, it really, it, it made me take like a week off and reevaluate what I'm doing moving forward. It meant a, a lot for me, for him to say that. Mm-hmm. So once I got c- confirmation from, from DMC, I was able to reach out to Chris and be like, look, I have a really good record. I need a solid amp for touring. And he, you know, I didn't expect anyone to get back to me from Benson, but he texted me himself. Um, he's like, hey, this is Chris. I'm like, I, I didn't expect you to text me back. He's like, yeah, well, we're a small company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like I reached out and Chris Benson himself texted me back. Mm-hmm. So that just really started a great relationship. And I told him, I'm like, yo, look, for you to put your arm around Celeste and do a custom with her is amazing. And then to have it, you know, a, a, a year later for the Rockbox amp to come out, I think really, I think Chris is um, amp makers and guitar companies and accessory companies really need to expand their artist palette. And I think they, they, they need to take a hint and take a, um, take a tip from what Chris Benson is doing. I mean, like he's opened his doors for all players. And as a result, um, Celeste is going to rock the world with her amp. I'm going to rock the world with my amp, you know, as well as Joe Bonamassa, guys like you. Like, I'm very, very proud to be a part of the Benson family. But that, you know, that his work with Celeste really one of the reasons why I'm like, I, I really got to get with this guy. Plus, <laughs> the design of her amp, I'm like, yo, he can pull a custom amp off like no other, like materials that he used, mm-hmm. particularly um, his covering material. is amazing. Amazing. So the first time she came to the shop, uh, I didn't know who she was. I wasn't familiar with her. And Chris, Chris messaged me. He's like, Hey, you need to come to the shop today. I was like, mm-hmm. why What's going on? He's like, well, she's coming. And she explained, you know, and I was like, okay, well, I don't, I'm not familiar with this lady, but if Chris says I need to come, I must. Mm-hmm. Need to come. And so I showed up and we had a great conversation and Chris was like, you know, busy running an amp shop. So like I got to talk yeah. to her quite a while and she's like, tell me about, the Vincent, that's what she has. Uh, and I was like, well, I actually can tell you all about that amp. So this works out great. And she's like, well, where do you set it? And I was like, you know, I set it like this, but honestly, it doesn't really matter where you set the controls on this. It just kind of works everywhere. And so I said mm-hmm. how I normally set it and she started playing. 
And she got <sighs> she got done, and I said, "Doesn't sound like that when I played." <laughs> I was like, "Wow, you know, she's um uh, amazing, man. Like, uh, you know that some people are are amazing guitarists, and then some people you can tell that their spirit radiates through their guitar playing." And uh, she's just one of those individuals, like, uh, I would love to see um, everyone know about her. Like, I, I want to see her on covers of Guitar World and Guitar Play. She's dang worthy, man. She's just really, really, really dope, man. And, and honestly, like, I hope, you know, Chris feels proud of the artist roster that he's put together, man, because uh, I can tell you this rock bot amp it's going to rock the, the world. That's why I called it the rock box because when you work with artists like DMC, you know, I am rocking the world, man. And, um, it's that it's also some of the design choices. Um, can't really leak them yet, but I'm sure people will be seeing them soon. I don't, I don't know if Chris told you what the, the, uh, grill design was. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> told me today. That is super, super, super soul fire, man. Uh, people are gonna be like, yo, I mean, look, not, not everyone. Just like Celeste's amp, like it's to me, it's beautiful. But you know, the amp is not for everyone. You know, a lot of people will be like, ah, eh, I don't really like design choices. But um, again, if you if you like uh, certain brands, and if you're if you're a brand of the the sneaker we was talking about before, then you're really gonna dig this amp. It's mm-hmm. super super special, man. And honestly, I, I'm probably gonna have to get Chris to make a couple <laughs> so, I can, <laughs> so I can get them to guys like you and and, and some of my other friends, man. But uh, I can't believe it. Super dope, super dope. Well, dude, this has been an amazing conversation. Let's uh, dive into the classic questions before we head off into crazy storyland for for Patreon. What do you say? Got you, got you. Okay, all right. So the first one, I think, and I think you kind of just did this. So the first thing I usually like guests to do is like, Hey, this is a time to shout out anybody you want to shout out, say hi to your grandma, like whatever you want to do, you know, now's the the time to do it. But I think you kind of just did that unless there's anything else you want to shout out. Yeah. I just, you know, real quick, um, shout out to my manager, Fred Shire and, uh, Brandy Shire. They, they make a, they make a lot of things happen behind the scenes for me. Shout out to Ernie Ball strings. Love them. Crazy, crazy uh, supporter of what I do. Gibson Guitar, shout out to Cesar, super cool cat. Shout out to Jim DeCola, um, Al John Go, everybody at Gibson Brands, Chris Benson. Um, and just, you know, really just uh, shout out to, you know, DMC and thank him for allowing me to rock with him. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, shout out to everyone who keeps me equipped. IK Multimedia to, to, to play. You know, for for um every guitarist want trifecta of endorsements, right? Amp, guitar, strings. I cannot believe I'm sitting here with a Gibson on my lap. Just came back from Nashville two months ago and hung out with Jim DeCola. And he hooked this guitar up for me. Right. So this is a it's kind of crazy. I, I, I just segue crazy from shout outs, but we're giving shout-outs. I have to talk <laughs> about I have to talk about Jim DeCola. All right. All right. Now, look, this is the guitar that I played in the video and song Ghetto Metal with, with DMC. Mm-hmm. So I normally don't get attached to guitars because I, as a musician, they come and go. We know this. Um, and you'll be heartbroken if you fall in love with a guitar that you might have to get rid of later on for whatever reason. So I never really was, you know, that sentimental, sentimental about a guitar. But this one was different being that I played it on this record, whatever. So that being said, 
I, I wanted, I thought a custom was my end game, a black custom, uh, Les Paul custom. But after realizing the weight, because, you know, whether you're an artist or not, everyone has to wait for guitars. Just like if you're an artist and um, I don't want anyone to get it twisted. I had to wait for my Benson amp. I, did, I didn't jump the line. There's a lot of great people waiting for amps. And um, so sometimes you just have to wait. So I, I I was rolling through Nashville with DMC. So I had gotten in touch with Jim DeCola, who was the, the head luthier at Gibson. I'm like, I'm coming through. Can I drop my guitar off and just, you know, essentially have you hot rod it? Like, you know, change the parts um, and kind of have it represent like all eras that I love from Gibson and, and kind of have it parts of it represent every Gibson I had. He is so amazing. He was taking notes of our email conversation. So when I got to Nashville, he had all the parts laid out um, and a printout of my emails. I was blown away. Wow. Because, again, if you judge yourself um, by what you see others do, you'd be heartbroken. And I, I used to see guitarists roll through Gibson and stand out in front and take the pictures and hang out with Cesar, and I'd be like... Yeah, I really want that. I really want that to be me. I need to be there. So, like, actually having that happen was amazing. So I dropped it off with Jim, and he took my regular Les Paul Custom, changed the cream hardware to black, changed the um, nickel hardware to chrome, um, tuners to chrome as well. He put a, you know, it, it, this guitar represents all eras of Gibson. So it has the TPC TP6 um, bridge on it mm-hmm. from a BB King, um, you know, ES. Yeah. It has the modern push pull electronic, but the knobs are black like a 70s uh, Les Paul. And you only saw TP6s in the late 70s because they didn't come out until the late 70s. Um, the Firebird um, Lau um, tremolo cover. Um, that would be on a uh, Firebird or a SG. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's really a um, you know the Gibson is, Gibson is doing the Gibson mod shop now or the Gibson demo shop. Essentially, this guitar I was able to go to Jim DeCola and do my own mod shop guitar. So okay. that allowed me that allowed me to not have to wait for months to get a custom or a made-to-measure guitar, I was able to take a guitar that had real sentimental value to me and just have it hot rod. And I can guarantee you, you're not going to see another Les Paul like this one, man. It, it is just... And, and to have it tuned up by the head Luther at Gibson, it plays... Like, we all tinker with our guitars and we think that, yeah, we got them playing the way... But to have the guy who sends hundreds of these out the door a day to have them set it up and set up the annotation. And then also the TP6 bridge eliminates all that, those Les Paul tuning problems that you have on the G string. I found for me. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, Oh, did I lose I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. Back. So okay. that, you know, so that was real important for me. So this guitar is dope. So shout outs, Got a shout out Gibson, but shout out Jim DeCola, um, Mark Agnesi, Al John Go. Actually, um, we was in Nashville shooting um, um, icons for Gibson. Um, in the future, um, Daryl will be on uh, Gibson Icon TV for Gibson cool. TV. Cool, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm headed to Nashville next week, so there we go. Look at that. 
All right, here yeah, we go. Actually, um, I'm sorry to cut you off one more time. Um, yeah, actually, um, when the amp is done, it's a strong possibility. Um, I had talked to Chris about it. He said he's down. Um, we're going to bring the amp to Nashville to, to do a rig rundown with John Bollinger. Oh, that'd be um, sweet. So, yeah, but um, that's uh, got to wait till the amp is done first. <laughs> I don't want to jump the gun. But... <laughs> nice. All right. Okay. Here was the last two questions. First one's probably pretty easy. So we'll get that out of the way. And then we'll get to the controversial one. First one is what is your favorite boss pedal? My favorite boss pedal? Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, there was a green PH3 phase shifter three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's the right model number, but it was the green one, the PH either two or three. Yep. Um, that pedal was dope. That that boss pedal was dope. Like I, I really wasn't a, a, a boss, you know, guy. Um, but I like pedals that do something, you know, unique. And that phase shifter um, that does the step up ladder and yep. step down ladder, you can really get some real. Like as a producer, you can get some super cool ambient tones with that 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 green um, boss phase shifter. So that that was my favorite boss pedal. Perfect. Perfect. All right. And here's the big one. This is the, this is the heavy hitter of the episode. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, that's easy. I'm from New York, man. So, um, I'm going, um, at, um, large pie, half cheese, half sausage. Oh, I All like day. Mm-hmm. Half pot. I mean, the only reason why I go half sausage is because like my kids sometimes, uh, don't like sausage, but yeah, for, I'm from New York. Listen, you're my homie. I'm going to take you to Hollis, Queens, where Run DMC is from, and I'm going to take you up to a place called Jamaica Avenue in Queens, New York. Jamaica Avenue has a a pizza shop called Margarita's Pizza. You can Google it when we get off. Best pizza in New York, best pizza you ever had, best pizza in Queens. It's amazing. You're my homeboy. Tone my podcast. We're going to Queens. We're going to house. You're going to put on your Adidas. We're going to walk this way. You're going to rock the world. We're going to get a slice of margaritas. But my favorite slice would be um, a sausage slice. All right. If I had to get a whole pie, half half sausage, half cheese, but I can go with whole sausage too. Awesome. I love that. That's a great way to, I'm I'm a New York pizza fan. I've been to New York a few times and I did. I didn't believe the hype, admittedly. I was like, it's pizza. It's good everywhere. I went mm-hmm. to New York and I was like, oh, I was like super skeptical. And then I hit a few yeah. spots and I was like, nope, I was wrong. I didn't know. It's it the about. water. And, and it's a lot of, I mean, like, look, the best spots are the spots that are in neighborhoods that people don't go in. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take you there. You're, you're good with me, brother. All you're right. I like that. Very, very, very safe. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> no doubt. All right. This is great. This is a great episode. Thank you so much for coming on. Amazing episode. I had an amazing time. Like, look, I do a lot of interviews for this single. This had to be the most fun interview and podcast I've done in the last two months, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on the Tone Mob podcast. Thank you so much, dude. All right, everybody. For KO, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you have it, folks. There it is. I hope you enjoyed that one. I seriously did. And I'm not joking, folks. The bonus content for this week, you are not going to want to miss this. This is really, really, really good stuff. He had such good things to say that I think I've been trying to say in so many words, but he just hit the nail right on the head and just made the point so much more succinctly and clearly than I think I ever have. So 
If you'd like to support the show and get that extra content, please go to patreon.com slash tone mob. Or if you're an Apple podcast subscriber, you can subscribe and you'll get those bonus episodes every week and you'll help keep this thing going. You'll get a ton of extra content. A lot of it is some of the very best stuff that's never been released publicly. And uh, yeah, hopefully you can do that. If not, it's no sweat. I totally get it. But if you could share this with somebody that you think would enjoy it, that would mean everything. Unlike YouTube, podcasts still don't really have a fantastic like algorithm you know, that pushes things into people's feeds. And it's much more uh, organic and word of mouth versus maybe some other channels. And the only reason this exists at the level that it does is because you share this with people. So please share this with anybody you think that might enjoy it. Please get ready for Wednesday. This is going to be so insane. I'm I'm so excited to share this with you. So many things going on that I'm excited about. So I'm excited that you're here. You know what? Thank you. Let me just throw that out there again. Thank you for choosing to spend time with me. Thank you for checking out all things Tone Mob. Make sure you check out Big KO. Make sure you check out Ghetto Metal. Make sure you check out everything that's cool. And everything that's cool has been on this podcast. Nothing that's dumb has ever been on this podcast other than the host. Uh, so don't you worry. You can check out any of our guest stuff and you will get a treat, I'm sure. Okay, without further ado, let's wrap this thing up and I will talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.